Yo guys, what's happening? Welcome to episode 34 of the podcast. Today, I'm riding it solo, man. It's just me, Flubberdash, on my onesomes, doing the Pokemon Brilliant Diamond and Shining Pearl review. So, I've been trying to script this entire podcast all day. Um, the first, I've got a second phone I've been trying to script it on. Every time I write the script out and I try and save it, the, the phone, for whatever reason, just deletes the script um, wasting about five hours worth of scripting, so unfortunately, this video will not be script. Will not be scripted, but I will try my best to be as um, to be as less rambly as possible. But I apologise if this isn't as professional as I would like it to be. But I really want to give this game a review, as I've talked so much about it from February, right? So how many months is that? Uh, let's have a look. So we got about nearly nine months, ten months. I've been speaking about this game, being I'm um, speaking about what I'm going to think of the game. Uh, we called on the podcast. We called a lot of things about the game, right? Like no megas, um, no battle frontier, no generations five to eight. Me and Onesie have been calling this from day one, and uh, we got pretty much everything what we thought would happen in the game right. Um, and a lot of people are interested to hear my personal. Onesie's not yet played the game. And a few of our guests that we've had on have not played the game. Me and T have. And um, on Sunday, she'll be giving her opinions and final thoughts of the game compared to other games. But I really want to get into this, man. So, without further ado, without further ado, welcome to the Pokemon Brilliant Diamond and Shining Pearl, the Trainer Lounge review. We're going to review everything about these games from the art style, the soundtrack, the Pokemon roster, the gameplay features, the post game, the difficulty, shiny hunting. And I think you're going to find it interesting with a few of the things I'm going to say. Hopefully I don't forget a few things because again this isn't scripted. But because I've been writing for five hours I'm pretty sure I know what I want to say about the game. So again without further ado let's just get into it. So I want to start with the art style of these games. So the games were released, well they weren't released, they were announced back in February on Pokemon Day um, alongside Legends Arceus and we were revealed to the chibi art style which we now have for Brilliant Diamond Shining Pearl. Now originally, and I think it's fair to say, most people didn't expect a chibi style um, game for Gen 4 remakes. We assumed it would be on the style with Heart Gold Soul Silver and um, Auras, which were up to date with the current generation's graphics. So I think majority of us were assuming that we'd get Sword and Shield graphics. Obviously, this is not what happened. We ended up having the Chibi style. Now, truthfully, the Chibi style did grow on me a lot throughout the game. There was tons of moments where I stopped myself from playing and I just took in the scenery, took in the water. You know, the way the water looks when you're surfing is amazing. Um, the way the flowers in Floroma Town looks is just absolutely incredible. Um, there's some really, really lovely moments in this game. When you're walking through the forest and you can see the sun, uh, you can see the sky just seeping through the trees um, and you can see the sun rays. It, it, it's, there's a lot of beautiful aspects to um, this art style, there really is. But there's also another art style in the game, which is what you get in the battles. And this this is more along the lines of Let's Go slash Sword and Shield, I want to say. It's it's like a mixture of them two. 
Um, the characters are fully scaled, so they're not chibi models, they're full character scales. Um, and in my opinion, I don't really think these two art styles mesh very well at all, to be honest. I feel like um, Ilka should have just picked one art style and gone with it. Um, you know, whether that be just do the whole game chibi, you know, keep the Pokemon the same in the battles, but keep the characters as chibi. Again, some people may disagree with this. That's absolutely fine. This is just my opinion. I don't really think it gelled too well together. Like, for example, there's certain scenarios in the game, uh, like story moments, for example, when you first meet Arceus. Um, Arceus, sorry. When you first meet um, Cyrus, and he's talking about his plans for the world and what he wants to do. And there's a lot of story elements where they're meant to be serious, but the camera zooms in on these chibi models, uh, it, it's kind of, it doesn't really feel, you know, as serious as it should be. It, it It's kind of goofy and it's kind of hard to take it serious with, uh, excuse me, sorry about that, with these chibi styles. It, it's it's a bit awkward. Again, in the battles, um, it, it looks kind of cool. It, it's just, I don't think it meshes pretty well together. And again, the whole meme with Cyrus with the shocked and angry face just looks goofy. It just looks like a pop vinyl gun rung. Um, so, I don't know, man. I, I'm not really feeling this whole duo style. Like, I'm used to it. I don't hate it necessarily. But, again, I'd rather them just have gone with a certain art style and stuck with it. You know, like, let's go. We had, this, we had a pretty much similar art style with the overworld and the battle. But it's kind of jarring to go from one extreme to the other in this game. Um, saying that, though, I didn't necessarily hate it. And, you know, it's not something that took away from the game for me. Um, it's just something that I thought could have been expanded on. Could have been maybe handled better. Maybe the art style couldn't, could have been more like Let's Go and not as chibi-focused. Um, but it is what it is. We got what we got. And my rating for the art style is 7 out of 10. Uh, which is actually fairly high compared to how negative I may sound about it. I don't hate it. Again, I've warmed up to it. There's a lot of fantastic aspects. Like some of the backgrounds in the battles are amazing. Whether that's from Cynthia's battle. Um, whether that's from certain battles in certain towns where you can see the background of certain cities. Uh, you know, there's loads and loads of cool battles that you can do. There's loads of cool backgrounds. There's a few void backgrounds, which I don't like at all. Um, but they're, you know, they're far and few between. It's whatever. Again, 7 out of 10 for the art style. Now, the soundtrack. The soundtrack um, is, in my opinion, the best aspect of this game. The soundtrack is phenomenal. You've got some fantastic, fantastic themes in this game. From certain cities to certain routes... Some of the battles are absolutely amazing. I've done over like 100 battles in BDSP right now. I've got over 100 hours played. You know, um, and I, I, the battle theme never gets old. Especially gym themes, the Elite Four. Of course, Cynthia's theme is amazing too. Um, I'd say my personal favourite theme is the theme when you come out of Victory Road and you're standing outside of the Pokemon League. Um... And it's such a beautiful theme. It's like a it's like a melancholy, melodic, slow song, and it sort of like makes you feel like you've been on an adventure. Like 
you're reaching, you know, before the the calm before the storm, right? Before the Elite Four. It's a really nice, um, really nice song. And I, I literally stood there for 10 minutes just li- listening to this music. It's beautiful. I really like the music in this game. Um, I think it's its strongest point. I really do. Saying that, though, <laughs> saying that, there are some things about the music I don't like. So, number one, um, Cyrus's theme has just been butchered, absolutely butchered. Um, I don't know what they were doing with this theme. It, it feels like they've done absolutely nothing. I don't like the theme at all. Maybe someone else will, but it just doesn't feel like how it should. Like all the other themes, bar one, which I'll mention as well, they all feel like they've been improved and they've been added more elements to the story of what they're meant to happen. So, for example, um, although it's not in the game, the uh, Hall of Origin theme and the Arceus theme is more dementing, it's more scary, it's more haunting. You're facing the fucking God of Pokemon, right? So, you know, that, and I love that. But the Arceus theme, I'm sorry, I keep saying Arceus, the Cyrus theme, I just don't like. I just feel like they could have done more with it, but they didn't. So, I don't know. I'm I'm just not a fan of this whole Cyrus theme. I really don't like it. Again, maybe you will, but I, I just personally don't. Another theme, I don't hate it necessarily, but I don't like a change that's happened with it. And that would be the Lake Guardian theme. Uh, Mesprit, Uxie, Azelf. I don't like these themes. Um, I say I don't... It's not that I don't like them, but I prefer the originals. And this is one of the only themes where I, I prefer the original to this version. The bass is completely took out of this song, so it kind of takes a lot away. Um, so I, I, I don't know. I don't really like the late Guardian theme. Definitely check it out as well. Um, if Check out the original, then check out this new version. See if you think there's any difference to it. I just feel like it's not as um, it, it's not as a bop, right? The old version had a meme. It was that good. People who were waiting for Gen 4 remakes would always play the song. It's um, one of the best Pokemon themes, the late Guardian one is. And uh, I just don't really like what they've done with it, if I'm honest. But... Again, um, that's just two themes of a whole entire game, which has got fantastic themes from start to finish. And I really, really, really enjoyed this soundtrack. So the soundtrack gets an 8.5 out of 10 for me. Um, And again, definitely listen to it. If you play this game, uh, first of all, download the day one patch so the music's actually in the game. And just play with some headphones, man. I think you're really going to enjoy it. There's some fantastic moments with the music. Um, so yeah, 8.5 out of 10 for the soundtrack. Alright, so moving on to the roster of Pokemon Brilliant Diamond Shining Pearl. Now, when I talk about the roster, I'm not specifically talking about the exclusion of Generations 5 to 8. Um, for those that have been listening to the podcast for a while, people will know that me and Onesie and T... Uh, most of us have been saying since the start of this game was revealed. You can look back in the episodes for anyone who wants to fucking fact check that. But you, uh, we've been saying since day one of Brilliant Diamond Shining Pearls reveal that generations five to eight will not be in these games. Um, and they're not They're not in the games. It's generations one to four. Now, do these games need generations five to eight? No, no. Would I have wanted them in there? 
Absolutely. Um, it, it would have been lovely to see like all the new generations of Pokemon in Gen 4 remakes. Um, there will be a lot of people that say, you know, the faithful remakes, so that's why they're not in. I'd argue um, Hard Gold, Soul Silver was faithful to um, Gold and Silver, just with a few elements of Crystal. Same thing with Auras and Emerald and Ruby Sapphire. Um, but these are the first remakes to not have the current generation Pokemon in them. That does um, that does hold the game back, absolutely, um, from a remake standpoint at least. But I'll be truthful, I don't think the games need Gens 5 to 8. They, you know, they've still got four generations of Pokemon in them. Um, and that's not where my negativity comes from with this. I'm fine with, with it not having Gen 5 to 8. As I've said, I didn't believe it would originally. So I'm not bothered, I'm not disappointed by that because I already had my expectations set. But... What I don't like um, about the roster is basically Platinum exists, right? But Platinum um, has been completely ignored by these two games. So a lot of the changes that was made in Platinum, for example, the fire types weren't as much as a problem in Platinum as they was in um, Diamond and Pearl. A lot of the gym leaders um, are using Pokemon that are not even from their types. Um... You've got, for example, when you go out through the whole game, at first it's fine, but it seems like the further you go, the more Pokemon you start to see again and again and again. And it feels like a really samey adventure. It feels like there's not really a variety of Pokemon, which is baffling considering they could have just revamped the decks. You could have had Platinum's decks, which is a much better deck than Diamond and Pearls, and it would have it, uh, um, sorry, it would have alleviated a lot of problems with the game. Um, if you didn't choose Infernape, uh, you're pretty much screwed, pretty much, unless you know you're forced to have a um, Rapidash or a Houndoom. If you've got Pearl, you could also have Magby or Magbar. Because I don't um, Magby, Magbar. Uh, and what's the Magmotor? Yeah, that's it. Sorry, Magbar. Magmar. <laughs> you could have Ponytar, Houndoom, Magmar um, if you've got Pearl. But if you've got Diamond, you just have Ponytar and Houndoom. Um, this frustrates me because there's just no variety. I don't. It's not that I don't like them Pokemon, but I like other fire types. And it's kind of strange that there's four generations of Pokemon in this game. But only pretty much the majority come available after post-game. I don't see why you just couldn't have more fire types in the game. Do you know what I mean? Why you couldn't have Platinum's decks. And this is a reoccurring theme with this review. The problem is that Platinum exists and it did so much things. It did so many more things better than Diamond and Pearl did. But they still stuck to the Diamond and Pearl. And, and there will be people that say it's a Diamond and Pearl remake. Again... It's a remake. A, re a remake is to remake the game, but to a better standard. It's to remake the game and make the games better, but while keeping their original story, uh, what them games were about. But this game just doesn't do that. This game just doesn't do that. I mean, it, it's it's definitely a faithful remake, because all of the problems that were in um, Diamond and Pearl exist in this game. The only issue that doesn't exist is like modern-day mechanics like EXP, um, it not being as hard, which is a problem to some other people. But um, I'll talk more on difficulty later. But again, it just feels like there's not enough Pokemon to choose from. It re and, and that kind of, you know, that's a bit mad. 
when there's 150 Pokemon. But you can really see it with the AI. So, for example, um, with certain NPCs like Team Galactic, you will always see Glamiel, Skunky, and Zubat. Maybe one or two others, I think. Uh, obviously, the leaders have more Pokemon. But that's all you see. There's no other Pokemon you see apart from them once. And it's like, you know, and if some people go, oh, well, the Grunts, they always have them Pokemon. You know, you look at Team Rocket with the Zubat and, uh, you know, the Ekins and whatnot. Okay, but then I, I, I take this back to the gyms. There's gym leaders in these games that don't have Pokemon of their typing. For example, Candies. Candies nuts. Um, Candies has got a Medicham. Admittedly, the Medicham's got Ice Punch, but Medicham is not an Ice type Pokemon, right? So you've got an Ice type gym leader with a Fighting type Pokemon, and you've got Volkner, the eighth gym leader, who has—he's an Electric gym leader, and he only has two Electric Pokemon out of four. So he's two of a Pokemon are Ambipalm and Octillery, which again is really confusing. That's really, really confusing. I, I don't understand this logic. I, I really don't get it. And again, in Platinum, this was fixed. I, I, I believe at least in Platinum, these were fixed. I could be wrong. But I remember the gym leaders in Platinum having much better Pokemon. And, and for those that go, well, um, maybe the gym leaders like them Pokemon. Well, in the post game, the gym leaders have six Pokemon of that typing, right? So... Ambipalm and Octillery are not on Volkner's team in the post-game. It's just the pre-post-game. Same with Candice and Medicham. Medicham is not on her post-game team. The reason why these Pokemon are in the teams in the pre-post-game, the main story, is because there is not enough variety of Pokemon that they could have had for their Pokemon. Right? So, it's just this, it's just this irritating feeling that there's not enough variety, and I, I I really don't like that. The underground does help. So, for example, you know, you do have Houndoom in the underground. But I literally can't think of another fire type. I cannot think of another fire type at all um, that you could have had other than Houndoom, uh, Politar, and Magby again if you've got Pearl. So, it's just this constant problem of, well, Platinum did this better. Why have you not took that from Platinum? I don't even care at this point if you didn't do the Giratina story arc. Just add some quality of life changes that Platinum had to make more sense. But they don't. You know, like the Togepi egg that was available in Platinum. Not available in this game at all. Um, and to me, it's very detrimental to the game. It really is. And I noticed it a lot. And a lot of reviewers are saying this point as well. That throughout the adventure, it just seemed like we were seeing the same Pokemon over and over. And that's the problem when you have a generation, you know, um, with, what, 150 Pokemon in, in the main game decks. You know, Pokemon games like uh, Sword and Shield had a lot more Pokemon available. There was tons of variety to choose from. You had loads of different teams. It was amazing in that regard for the roster. But these games just don't feel like there's a lot of options, right? Especially replayability. Of course, you know, you could trade Pokemon um, when home comes out and maybe maybe replayability will be a lot better. But it just, it just sticks out like a sore thumb 
that the roster for these games are awful. I, I really believe it's the game's weakest point. Of all of everything I'm going to talk about, the the roster will receive the worst score, um, which will be four out of ten. Um, it's a very low score. Some people might think, may think that's unfair. I, I personally believe it's justified. Again, with just the problems that I've stated many times, um, it's just a weird decision. You can say what you want about their keeping to uh, Diamond and Pearl, but nobody liked that in Diamond and Pearl. So why wouldn't you change it? You're not going to keep everything that everyone disliked about a game. You're going to, again, there's a reason why you added the EXP system. It's because most people like the availability, you know, with ease, you can level up your Pokemon. So why have you not changed the roster selection to platinum selection at least? Because that, that may not have been perfect, but it was better than Diamond and Pearl. So again, that's a 4 out of 10 for me. I can't give that anymore because it's just the constant frustration of if I don't have Chimchar, I'm fucked for fire types. In my main game, I didn't even pick a fire type Pokemon because I just didn't want Rapidash or Houndoom. So it is what it is. Um, unfortunately, it's something we've got to deal with. So, uh, yeah. But could have been much better. This could have been a 7 out of 10, an 8 out of 10 if the roster just had more Pokemon to choose from. It just doesn't. So moving on to gameplay features. We're going to be covering a lot of things um, in this specific part of the review. So we'll be talking about things from gameplay features, the contest, the underground, the movements and bugs. Just overall, a lot of the gameplay. Um, and I want to start this off with contests um so contest are back there was in originally uh diamond and pearl i don't have a lot to say really about the contest i like them to be honest i think they're a really cool addition i really enjoyed the um timing mechanic of these contests i think they're they're a good little add-on you know they're a good little piece of side content for people to try and get medals uh you can create puffins to feed you a pokemon that fit a certain category of the contest so for example um, I fed my Pokemon Puffins that would increase Bidoof's cuteness and uh, coolness, right? And then I was available to enter in the cool competitions and the cute competitions. I managed to get two Master Ribbons on my Bidoof, but I don't believe there's a way to take them effects off the Pokemon to be able to do other contests. I don't believe there's a way to change them effects, for example, like you can with Eevees, with the berries. I don't feel like there's a way to take that off the Pokemon. So once you've put your Pokemon as max coolness or max beauty or, you know, max toughness, you can't take that away. Um, so be mindful of that if that's something you're looking forward to. Plan ahead. Try and plan each and every one of your Pokemon to have a different contest type, for example. Um, overall, not a, not a massive thing for me to mark the game on. Um, again, I like the contest more than I dislike them. So that, that's a thing. I think the contests are really cool. Another feature of this game is the underground. Um, by far, in my opinion, the best thing added to this game other than the soundtrack. The underground is an amazing, amazing um, added element to this game. I really enjoy it. I think it's great fun to have with friends. So with the underground... After you beat the second gym, or I think just before you, you don't even need to beat the second gym, but in Eternal City, you can speak to your underground man, uh, underground man, sorry, and um, he'll take you underground and Rourke will speak and kind of guide you through it. But going to the underground, you've got um, a variety of things you can do. You can either go in there solo, 
if you've got the um, Nintendo Online Switch membership, you can go in with friends. You can go in with just random online people. And um, you can dig with people. Just randomers will come up and help you dig on, you know, the dig spots, helping you find more treasure. Um, you can find diglets that will increase shiny chance. Obviously, we'll be speaking more about shinies later on in the review. Um, but there's a lot of stuff in this underground, man, that's really cool. Like making making bases, finding statues to put in the base, which was kind of dope. Um, again, I'll speak more on... And now we'll speak about the statues now, actually. So, like, the statues you where, where you dig for treasure, you can find these cool statues. They've got normal elements and coloured elements, with the coloured elements having, like, a tint of green to them. And all this does, the whole point of the statues is to increase the chance of that type of Pokemon appearing. And the coloured statues just um, sharply increase the effects. So, if you fill your base out with, I don't know, coloured dragon statues you would have a sharp chance of finding a dragon Pokemon. I like this inclusion, but the problem with this inclusion, it's kind of pointless, because all you have to do is go to a biome where the dragon types spawn, just enter in and out of the biome, and you'll probably find your Pokemon anyway. So it kind of really does make this, um, this uh, inclusion kind of pointless. I like it for cosmetic reasons. It's kind of dope, but... There's no real uh, gameplay mechanic to going into your base. You can't steal anyone's flag anymore. So it's kind of pointless to go. No one's base is going to be different. Everyone's base will just have statues in. There's no reason to go and visit other people's bases. Like, you know, it's not like Hoenn's secret base, which was decorated and had different types. And it was really cool to see what other people had. And you could battle their trainers. There's nothing like that in the bases. So I'm not really a fan of that. But that doesn't take away from the underground for me. The underground, you can go and catch a ridiculous amount of Pokemon. Um, I believe I caught about 60 of the Sinnoh decks in the underground. It's crazy. It's really cool. If you're going to go to the underground, use Quick Balls. That's just a little tip from me. Um, yeah, I, I just really like the underground. I think it's a fantastic feature. Um, fair play to Orca. They did a really, really good job with this thing. My only thing about the underground I dislike... Um, regarding the Pokemon at least, is the Pokemon in the underground are really high level for seemingly no reason at all. They're just very high leveled. So um, when you go into the underground, the Pokemon are leveled up to what gym you're currently on. And they cap out at 60 once you've got the final gym. And at that point, you know, some of them Pokemon could be higher level than any of your team. So you can catch Pokemon in the underground, and the chances are they're probably going to be better than most of your team, apart from your favourite Pokemon, your Ace, right? Um, but it's not necessarily a negative thing, it's just a, a weird balancing thing I noticed with the game. But overall, I really, really enjoy the underground. Again, a fantastic feature, and again, props to Ilka for introducing this and expanding on um, Game Freak's original design. I think they've done a fantastic job with this. Um, going on to movements for the gameplay features. Now, it's kind of smooth. Um, you know, you can move diagonally. You can move like on a freeform basis. Like you don't need to move from square to square. You can uh, move any direction you want with the analog stick. What's kind of strange is though, the NPCs can't. The NPCs are stuck to this uh this movement where it's very robotic you know they they either go up down left or right 
Um, I don't think they go diagonal. It, it's very weird to see your player can move free form, but the NPCs can't. I don't know what to really think about that. Again, it, it's hardly a game-breaking aspect. You know, it's hardly a reason not to buy the game, but it's just a weird thing that you can move in any motion, but the NPCs can't. It's just kind of strange. Um, what else we got? Yeah, so with movement as well. Um, walking and running is pretty dope. I really like that. Um, not really much issues with the walking and the running. The problem comes, though, with the bike, in my opinion. The bike seems really finicky to control. Like, it seems like you're riding on ice for most of the game. And I, I, I don't know, like, maybe it's just me. And again, it's not a ridiculously huge thing, but it, sometimes it makes me not want to use the bike because of how out of control it can be. And you can change the gears, but even then, it still feels finicky. Like, there's certain parts where you need the bike to go over certain jumps, but then you need to stop because there's a ramp, where well, like a cliff, and if you drop off, you need to go back. And then you need to like manoeuvre yourself ridiculously carefully but with how jolting the controls are, um, it's easy just to mess up. So the bikes could have done with some more tuning, to be honest, in the game. Uh, again, it's not something that's a ridiculous complaint. Again, it, it's hardly a thing. So with that, that, that pretty much covers the majority of the gameplay features. But uh, <laughs> I cannot ignore the bugs of this game. Um, it's very hard to ignore them. Despite, you know, what I do like about this game. The bugs are horrendous in this game, man. Um, there's bugs from game-breaking glitches. So you can skip half of the story in this game just by manipulating a glitch. Um, there's autosave glitches where it's corrupting a lot of people's save files. There's a very um, rare glitch where some people have got Pokemon Pearl. But the legendary in the game's diamond. Uh, again, this isn't a widespread issue, but it was just a funny thing to see, really. I don't know if anyone else has got that issue, but I've seen one person with it. Um, there's glitches with Pokemon, your partner Pokemon, not spawning in properly in the overworld, and they could spawn in with this like pink form, which inevitably crashes your game. Um, there's, there's a lot of bugs. There's loads of bugs. Um, I've noticed a lot of visual bugs playing the game. Um, not really game-breaking bugs. I, I always turn off autosave anyway. But there's an autosave bug where it's, again, corrupting a lot of people's files. So that's a thing. Um, there's a cloning bug in the game where you can clone your Pokemon. You can clone six Pokemon at a time now, I believe. You can clone any item. And um, it's pretty game-breaking considering that people can just get... 30 Dialgas and just send them out, right? It's kind of mad. Um, and I'm not really bothered if people do this, to be fair. I really couldn't care less. Uh, you know, you're going to make people pay for Virgin Exclusive, so I think people's just showing Game Freak and Elkara Middle Finger by cloning Pokemon. I'm not going to do it personally. I don't really believe in it. I, I like to play legit as much as possible, so I'm not really going to mess with cloning Pokemon, but it's a thing you can do. And um, th this really does talk about the quality of this game. And it's unfortunate to say, man, but this game just was not ready. It just was not ready to be shipped. The, it, it's just a broken mess when it comes to the bugs. This might be controversial to say, 
But in my opinion, this is the most buggy Pokemon game we've ever had since Generation 1. I'm trying to think of any Generation game we've had after that that has been as broken as this. Arguably, Diamond and Pearl was. <laughs> Ironically enough, considering this is the game based off it. So maybe Ilka just wanted it to be a faithful remake, even with all the broken bugs, who knows. There's a bug where you can visit uh, Giratina before the f um, just after the 5th gym. There's a bug where you can get to Shaman as soon as you unlock Surf. Um, it's crazy. It's absolutely bizarre. And there's more glitches being found every single day on this game. Um, Eclipse on Twitter has currently found 40 glitches. <laughs> uh, the game's been out a week. And there's already 40 glitches. Which is... It's just bizarre. It's absolutely bizarre. Um, and people can defend the game if they want. They can say, well, I've not experienced it and it won't affect me. That's fine. But to say that these games are quality, they're not. They're, they're, they're not ready. Um, they're, they've been rushed. And I'm not trying to blame the devs. Maybe it's not their fault. Maybe the game's been rushed by a Pokemon company. You know, and Nintendo. Maybe that's what's happened. Because I, I don't know the politics. But that's not really my problem. I don't really care whose fucking fault it is. These games have been rushed, right? Kind of like X and Y were rushed with their lack of content. So it, it's just a frustrating thing to see, really. Um, my overall score for this section gets a 6 out of 10. If there weren't as many bugs, I probably would have gave this an 8 out of 10. I really would. Um, obviously, you, you have got walking with Pokemon too, which, uh, again, is, is an amazing um, feature for fans. Everybody loves walking with Pokemon. It was a really welcome back feature when it got announced. So I don't think many people was annoyed about that. There are some scaling issues with Pokemon, like Dehalga's really small. Um, certain Pokemon are smaller than the Chibi character, which is kind of weird. I can see why it's like that. You know, he, you're not about to have a, a fucking 19-foot monster walking around. Like, it's just going to be a bit awkward. So, I get it. It's not really a problem in that regard. But it's just a funny thing to see a Dialga being smaller than the character player. The main issue with walking with Pokemon, though... Um, is the difficulty, which we will be going into in a little while. But it does affect the difficulty, which might annoy some players. Didn't really bother me, to be honest. So I really do like the feature of walking with Pokemon. The only bizarre thing, though, is that it's locked after second gym. So you can't walk with Pokemon until you've beaten the second gym. I don't understand that. That don't make much sense. I don't know why it just wasn't unlocked at the start of the game. Um... It, just a bit of a weird design choice to be honest but it is what it is so again this gets a 6 out of 10 for me it would have been more but each feature's got its downfalls and it's kind of like uh, I want to be more positive about the game in this regard but I just can't it, it's just too broken for me to put it higher than a 6 like you know I'm not about to give it a 4 like I did the roster I really despise the roster but you know, like I said, there's a lot of features I really like and I really enjoy. It's just the bugs put it down for me, man. It, it really does. So, I want to talk about the post-game now. Um, the post-game is arguably, actually, probably the best po post-game we've had in a while. I think the post-game for this game is really good, to be fair. Um, there's loads you can do, from rebattling the gym leaders to rebattling the Elite Four, rebattling the champion... Um, generations of one to three Pokemon get unlocked by one to four in the underground. So you can catch all of the starters from 
Gem 1 to 4, including, you know, Piplup, Chimchar, Turtwig, all of the, you know, uh, sorry, Bulbasaur, Charmander, Squirtle, every single Gen starters in the underground, all different Pokemon are in the underground too. Um, there's some version exclusives which you can check up out online. But um, it's really cool to see loads of Pokemon be unlocked after the main game. Really opening up, you know, um, filling out the Pokedex as well. And, you know, that's always a fun post-game feature. Again, the reward for filling out the Pokedex is the Shiny Charm, which it's kind of a negative for me, but we'll go into that with Shiny Hunting. But, yeah, the post-game's solid. You know, you can catch Legendaries in Romanus Park, which is um, the replacement of Pal Park. The underground has a lot more things added into it. When you're digging, you can find even rarer items than you could before. You know, all the Pokemon in the underground, there's newer Pokemon there. Um, there's a lot of things that the post game does, and I think it's a really cool thing to have. So I want to give, I do want to give props to Ilka for this one because I think the post game will give a lot of people content. It's given me quite a lot of content to play through, and um, I am enjoying the post game thus far. So uh, the post game for me gets an eight out of ten actually. One of the highest ratings with the soundtrack. I think the post game's really good in this game. I think a lot of people will enjoy it. Right. Okay. The difficulty. Right. This this is interesting. So, a big thing for the trainer launch leading up to Pokemon Brilliant Diamond Shining Pearl was the difficulty of these games. Now, the the games aren't hard, really. It, I'd say Diamond and Pearl are harder, the originals. Um, due to the XP share and whatnot, but there are some challenges in this game. So throughout the game, you're probably going to breeze through it. To be honest, um, I went through the game battling every trainer, playing through it as you normally would, and all of my Pokemon was always like three levels higher than the gym leader. Um, so it was it was a bit of a breeze. That you know what I do like about this game though is the AI. For the gym leaders are a lot better than they have been in previous games. Like the AI have um, like PVP items, right? Like VGC items, like berries, um, flame orbs, and all that kind of thing. And it's really cool to see. To be fair, like it adds a, a new layer of challenge. Specifically for me, I'd say gym three, gym five, and gym eight were a little challenge. I still didn't get beat by them, but. It made me think a little bit more than I would if I was just breezing through the game. Um, the, the main challenge, however, starts at the Elite Four. The Elite Four is a, it's a huge difficulty curve. Like, it's, it's crazy. So, before the Elite Four, it, it's a fairly easy game. You know, you're pretty much higher level than the, the gyms and the trainers and whatnot. To be fair, you're like 10 levels higher than the trainers themselves on the routes, which is kind of jarring, but um, again, it's it's really strange. But then once you get to the Elite Four, the levels completely scale differently. Like, all of the Elite Four have higher level Pokemon than you. It's crazy. I didn't struggle with the Elite Four, really. Um, a few of them had some difficult Pokemon, but overall, I got through the Elite Four without a problem. However, the, <laughs> the main issue, it's not really an issue, it's a good thing, if anything. But Cynthia was a problem. Cynthia was a fucking problem. Jesus Christ. That that trainer was an issue for me to deal with. And many other people have experienced this. Um, and uh, first of all, it, it's a good thing. I think people are really happy with the difficulty choice. 
Like, she, all of her Pokemon are EV trained for one. Her highest level Pokemon is level 66. And at this point in the game, your highest level Pokemon will probably be about 61. Late 50s, maybe, if you skip some trainers. It's highly unlikely you're going to have a Pokemon higher level than her Garchomp. And you really, really, really need to think um, strategy. You need to think like strategies about the battle. You need to plan the battle out. How you want to set up, what items you want to use. Um, how to do special switches in for abilities. Like It makes you really think. But again, the only slight issue I have with this, with how easy the whole game is up until this point. Um, I was happy with how challenging the Elite Four was and how challenging Cynthia was. It's just a bit of a shame that it took until the final part of the main game for it to be hard. I kind of wished it was more challenging throughout the main game, to be truthful. But I will take this. Another aspect of the difficulty, which is a bad thing, is walking with Pokemon. So, when you walk with Pokemon, you increase their affection. Think uh, Pokemon and me and the perks you get, like surviving critical hits on 1 HP, dealing critical hits, uh, dodging attacks, curing status effects. Um, if you walk with your Pokemon, it's a very high likely chance that your whole team will have these perks come the end of the game. Kind of allowing you to cheese certain battles that you wouldn't be able to cheese beforehand. So, in, in my opinion, this does kind of neglect a little from, from the difficulty. Not an overall, like, it's still a really challenging fight, the champion is. But having these added perks, maybe some people will love them. You know, it's kind of cool when you've got you in the final Pokemon and you survive on one HP. It's very anime-esque, if you like. And there is a cool aspect to having that. But there will be some hardcore people who love the challenge and uh, will be a little bit annoyed by this. And of course, the EXP share. Um, I will say the EXP does seem balanced overall in the game. Um, again, you're most likely going to be higher level than most of the trainers in this game, other than the Elite Four. Um, it's just strange how you're always a higher level than everyone until the Elite Four. I, I don't really like how that works. I'd like it to be more balanced. But overall, the XP share is not too bad. It, again, it's just the lack of choice of not being able to turn it off. So, you know, if you don't want it on in this game, tough luck. You haven't got a choice. You have to play with the EXP share, which is unfortunate, to be honest. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. I think the games would benefit from not having this system. But it is what it is. I'm going to give the difficulty overall, though, a 7 out of 10. Because there are things about it which annoy me. But overall... Um, they're arguably the most difficult Pokemon games we've had in recent years. They're harder than Sword and Shield. Um, they're up there with Ultra and Necrozma. Um, they, they are they are quite hard games, especially in the end game and the post game too. Um, all of the Elite Four, all of the gym trainers, Cynthia, they've all got revamped Pokemon, higher levels, um, better Pokemon with better moves, better items. The gyms are more challenging. So, again, that just adds to the difficulty. So, I'm going to give it a 7.5 out of 10, actually. I'm going to be a bit nicer because I think I, I think the difficulty is, is quite good in this game. And, and I'm really, really, really happy to say that. And I apologise to Ilka for judging you too early on, on the difficulty, assuming it would be a breeze. Although, most of the game was, to be fair. But it is what it is. Right. So, before we get into the final scoring of the Pokemon games... 
I want to talk shiny hunting. So, for those that know me and listen to the podcast, shiny hunting is my favourite thing to do on Pokemon. I love shiny hunting with a passion. I've always shiny hunted um, ever since Gen 6, really, when I got into it. So, I've shiny hunted on, you know, X and Y, Auras, Sun and Moon, Ultra Sun, Ultra Moon, um, Let's Go Pikachu Eevee, Sword and Shield, um, and obviously, Brilliant Diamond, Shining Pearl. Now, shiny hunting in these games are a lot different than they are in previous games. So, first of all, I want to start with a, I want to start with the good. The good is that um, the shiny, the sorry, the starters are not locked. You, um, the starters are not locked. So, if you want to, you can shiny hunt the starters, which is pretty cool. It's like a minute and a half cutscene, which is a little annoying that they couldn't allow you to save before you click the starter, but. You can still shiny hunt the starters if you wish. So that's kind of dope. Um, the odds for Pokemon is 1 in 4,096. If you go to the underground and you get all 40 Diglets in the underground, you have an extra shiny chance. So it's 2 in um, 4,096 or 1 in 2,048. One, 1 in 2,048. Could, could, be, could be something like that. But um, it basically gives you an extra role um, for shiny Pokemon in the underground. I have yet to find one, to be honest. But uh, one of my friends actually found a shiny in the underground, which is kind of dope. So that's one of the methods, is the underground. It's not a brilliant method by any means. But maybe some full odds hunters will actually quite like it. If you play online in the underground, a lot of people who you play with will collect the diglets for you. So you don't even need to go and collect them. You can just go digging for treasure and eventually the Diglett bonus will be active, allowing you to try and hunt for some shiny Pokemon. As soon as you enter a biome, all of the Pokemon in there have, have been decided from the moment you enter if they're shiny or not. So it doesn't matter if the Diglett effect ends, it's based on when you enter the room. So if you enter the room with the Diglett effect active, all of them Pokemon should have had that boost. So there is that very, very, very minor chance that one of them could be a shiny um, that's a cool method. You've got Pokey Radar, which was a thing in the original Diamond and Pearl games. Um, I think Platinum as well, obviously. You had it in X and Y as well. And the Pokey Radar is a device that you get once you f once you um, find all 150 Pokemon. You go to Professor Rowan, and he gives you the Shiny Radar. Now, this Shiny Radar is pretty cool. So the whole idea is you go to a patch of grass and you activate it and four patches will show up, right? You run into the patch furthest away from you. It has to be four tiles or more away from you. You go into that patch and whatever Pokemon it is, if you want to, if you want to chain hunt that Pokemon specifically, whatever you find, you will just catch it. If you catch that Pokemon, you get a 93% chance of the chain continuing. Now, you can find a shiny at any time. But as you go further up in the chain, the odds improve. If you manage to get to a 40 chain, you get a 1 in 25 chance of finding a shiny. And the best part about this is if you catch a shiny, the chain doesn't break. Now, Poke Radar is fun. But the problem with Poke Radar is there is a 7% chance every encounter that you can break the chain. So, you could do everything perfect and go to the patches that are further away from you and the chain will still break because you've accident. Well, 
um, RN Jesus has gave you that 7%. So it can be infuriating. You can get to a 38 chain and the chain could just break just by RNG, which wouldn't even be on you. And there's nothing you can do to salvage it. So, you know, um, be careful with the Poke Radar. If it ends, the chances are it's not even your fault. It's just RNG. All you can do is just, if you are using the Poke Radar, just go to grass that's four patches away from you and just keep doing that. That's the only thing you can do. There's nothing else you can do to increase your odds. And um, best of luck, really. I I did manage to get to a chain of 40, and I found four shiny Bidoofs while doing this. <coughs> so, if you can stick it out and you manage to get a chain of 40, then it can be quite re rewarding. But, however, remember though, um, that it's currently only a 5% chance that you can get from a chain of 1 to 40. A 5% chance. So you've got a 95% chance of not making it to 40, which is, uh, you can work that out yourself with how hard it is to get a chain of 40 going. Um, in the previous games, it was like a 3% chance to fail. I have no idea why they've upped it in these games. Maybe it's because the grass stays. But whereas in the original games, it was a game of memory. Whereas in this game, the grass stays, so you can see where the grass is at all times. I don't really like this this nerf. I don't see why. And I'll explain my reasoning in a second. In my opinion, these games did not need to be nerfed with the shiny radar. Because the shiny charm does not affect these games at all. Um, only the Masuda method, which we'll talk about in a second. So, the shiny charm doesn't affect these methods at all. It affects. Um, it only affects Masuda. So, I don't understand why they've nerfed the Poke Radar to 7%. Because 7% doesn't sound like a lot, but trust me, you've got to get to a chain of 40, right? And that's and that's 40 times you've got a chance of getting a 7% roll. So, uh, and I've I've successfully done one chain, uh, one 40 hunt and about 50 failed chains. So, take that how you will. The next method is Masuda method. For those that have played Pokemon in the last four gens, um, you'd know what Masuda is. Well, three gens really. You'd know what Masuda is. Basically, you get a foreign poke. You get two Pokemon um, that have got different languages to each other in the daycare center, and they would hatch eggs, and that automatically gives you a bonus to a shiny. The best way to do this would be getting a Ditto that is different to your native region. So. If you're from England or you're from America, and obviously your game's English, you would try and get a ditto that is either from German, from France, from Spain, from China, from Japan, anywhere that's not your not your location, you know, not your language, and you just put whatever Pokemon you want to breed with the ditto, and this would increase your chance of finding a shiny. I believe the odds without the shiny charm are 1 in 690, which is still quite good odds to be fair. And I think with the shiny charm, it's like one in 560. So you've got like a 130 bonus with the shiny charm. But that's the only thing the shiny charm does in the game. The shiny charms have no effect otherwise in these games, which, which is really unfortunate, to be honest, regarding these games. So um, it's a bit bizarre, really, about that.
But yeah, so that that's shiny hunting really from start to finish. I don't really think shiny hunting. I'm going to give it a seven out of ten for me. It's not the worst game. Arguably, it's better than Sword and Shield. I'll say, but it can be so infuriating with the radar. Um, and I'm just sick of doing the Masuda method in Sword and Shield, so I just do not want to do Masuda method in this game. But I probably will do a few Masuda hunts. And obviously you've got the Underground as well, which is pretty much full odds, apart from the bonus Diglett. And again, the Charm does not affect the Underground either. So if you want to get the Charm, it'll only affect Masuda. And you know if you don't like Masuda, it's really pointless getting the Charm, to be honest. I'd just probably stick with Poke Radar. The good thing about Poke Radar is you can get a shiny at any point. The grass can just turn. And that's the thing I forgot to mention. With the Poke Radar, the grass shakes. And if it's a shiny, the grass has a shiny animation. So you know it's a shiny Pokemon. And you can actually find a shiny Pokemon in a patch of grass that isn't a shiny. But it's a full-odd shiny. It's just a really rare encounter, but it can happen. Um, I'm going to give Shiny Hunting 7 out of 10. It could be better. Gen 6's shiny hunting would have been a 6 out of 10. Apologies about that. Just um, at a, There was too much noise outside my room. Yeah, so shiny hunting... So yeah, shiny hunting for me is 7 out of 10. Could be better. Could be worse. It is what it is. Um, if you're a shiny hunter, you might enjoy the game. There are better games to shiny hunting, but... Um, it's okay. It's cool. It's whatever. It's whatever. Now... Uh, for my final scores of these Pokemon games, hello cat. So for my final scores of these Pokemon games, if you are a casual Pokemon player, you know you're you're not a hardcore Pokemon fan. You just want to pick up some Pokemon games. You want to play them through. Um, you just want to enjoy your time with them. I, I think you're going to enjoy these games. I really do. I, I don't think they're bad games by any means. You know, I'd give these a 7.5 out of 10 if you're a casual Pokemon fan. If you just pick up the annual Pokemon title, you play through it, catch your favourite Pokemon. You know, maybe try and get a shiny, play with your friends for a bit, and then you shelf the games and maybe come back to them in half a year, do another playthrough. I do think you are going to enjoy these games. Again, i give it a 7.5 out of 10. But I've got two ratings for this game. One, if you're a casual fan... And number two, if you're a hardcore fan, if all you do is play Pokemon, right? If you're a hardcore Pokemon fan and you adore Pokemon and, you know, you want the best game you can get and things tend to piss you off fairly easy, I don't really think these games are for you. Um, if you had to pick between these games and Legends Arceus, while we know nothing about Legends Arceus, I still think you'll have more fun with that game because... For the hardcore Pokemon fans, they have played Platinum. And they will... Plat the fact that Platinum did so many better things than this game... It, it sticks out like a sore for me. Really, really does. So, I'd say if you're a hardcore Pokemon fan, I'd give these a skip. I'm going to give them a rating out of 6 out of 10. Because I don't think they're really bad games. If you've got the money to burn and you just want to play Pokemon... Pick them up. Why not? You know, even if you're a hardcore fan, if you've got the money and you've got nothing else to play, you may as well play them. But, again, if you want what's best for the Pokemon franchise and you want the best possible game you can play, there will be a lot of things about this game that will annoy you. And that, unfortunately, is the way it is. 
Like, I don't think six out of ten is a ridiculously bad score. But the problem is with this game, if I could sum this game up with one sentence, it would be, I like what the game is, I just hate what it could have become, right? I hate to think of what it could have become. And what I mean by that is, the game's okay by itself. You know, it's not a terrible game. It's It's got its flaws. It's got its pros. But when you think of what the game could have been, that's when the problem starts. When you think of how good the game could have been, how good these Gen 4 remakes could have been, it it really makes you think, you know, about the future of Pokemon. But again, I don't think these are bad games. I'm happy I've played them. I bought them. I think they're worth the money, in my honest opinion. And um, really, that's all i got to say based on the review. So if you're a casual fan, these are a 7.5 out of 10. But if you're a hardcore Pokemon fan, these are a 6 out of 10. So it just depends on what you really want. So anyway, my cat's giving me a little whinge he wants to play. And uh, I'm going to entertain him. I hope you've enjoyed the review. Feel free to share it. Feel free to drop us a like, man. Drop us a follow on Twitter at Trainer Lounge. Um, obviously, this is a very special episode. All of my episodes have a co-host on. This is just the review. So um, don't worry. It won't just be a boring episode with just my voice in the future. We will have my partner on and my uh, one of my best mates, Onesie, on the other co-host, so uh, shout out to them too. You can expect an episode with me and T on Sunday for the fourth episode this week. So uh, we've been grinding hard this week, man. I hope you've enjoyed uh, the review. I hope you don't think I've been too harsh on the games. I hope you don't think my points are too pathetic. If you don't, dis- if you do disagree and you think I'm a fucking idiot, feel free to at me on Twitter and be like, yo, Flubberdash, I watched your review. It was a bag of shit. You- you're fucking awful. Blah, 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 blah. I don't care. Um, do what you want. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's it, man. As I said, we'll wrap this up. 7.5 out of 10 for casual fans, 6 out of 10 for hardcore fans. These games, uh, they're good games. I enjoy them. They're okay. Could have been better. And that's just what it is, man. That's just what it is. Uh, yeah, that's the end of the review. And I hope you enjoy the future episodes of the Trainer Lounge. Hey, peace.